ACP Church family, welcome to the No Borders podcast, where every week we will discuss the sermon and share some personal takeaways. We are currently in the series, The Story of Jesus. If you like this podcast, share with your family and friends. All right. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Today we have Britton, drummer Chris, Hi. and Pastor Tom, hey, everybody. special Ooh. guest today. <laughs> so uh, Pastor Freddie gave us the sermon today and kicking off a new series here, uh, The Story of Jesus. So we're going to be going through a series here uh, with that uh, leading us into Christmas, I'm sure. Yeah, because yeah. okay. uh, we called it that uh, for two reasons. One was uh, it, we do need to tell the story of Jesus from a uh, for Christmas, but from a different angle going through the Old Testament. And also it's a, a lead into Christmas Eve where every, every family that comes or uh, the individuals that come, they'll get a book called The Story of Centerpoint. Okay. And uh, that's our off the based on those testimonies that we mm, had right. some months ago. Right. Awesome. Nice. It ended up being a pretty, cool, pretty nice-sized book, too. Cool. Very good. Lots of testimonies. Lots of good stories. Have you seen the book yet? Yeah, yeah. I got to see the uh, kind of the first first one ordered. I guess right. They sent it to us to check out. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, the pastor Freddie stole my yeah, copy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, so, um, so Pastor Freddie got right into it, uh, kind of giving us that that story that he kicked off with uh, the violinist uh, Joshua Bell. Sure. Um, he was, uh, you know, undercover as a busker. Uh, in the in the metro, and he kind of was was playing the violin scene. Uh, this was a study that was done. I, I actually looked it up to make sure it was a true story. Um, <laughs> You're checking, Pastor Freddie. I wasn't sure if it was a true story. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I've heard the story before, but I wasn't sure exactly if it was you know a true. But so it was. It was a study that was done on on perception, and so to see you know if people were going to stop, if they were going to recognize it, and um, I I looked it up, and who do you think? Um, I guess what what type of people do you think stopped? Do you think anybody stopped? Do you think um, he kind of like gave it that that nobody really recognized it? You know, this was this this very profound uh, violinist. But um, do you think any any um, demographic of people do you think uh, would have stopped? Just a minute, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna yeah, look up the answer. Yeah, right. My like, guess would be like an older population probably okay. stopped just because in my, I don't know, I look at like violinists. It's beautiful, but it's like I can't see a lot of people hearing really, violinists. Really? Really? Yeah, yeah. You're bringing okay. age into this thing? <laughs> yeah. So Pastor so, Tom so, would stop for uh, sure. Okay. No, I was going <laughs> to guess Czechoslovakian women ages 18 to 39. Okay. Good try. Good try. Okay. So <laughs> before, before we get too far off, off, uh, off topic here, so the one that paid most attention was a three-year-old boy. And so it was actually the younger kids that stopped that were actually, that were hurried along by their mm. parents and everything. And um, so over this, you know, 45 minutes of him playing, uh, only six people stopped and stayed uh, for a while. 20 gave him money and continued to walk. And uh, he collected $32 total. Wow. And so, um, yeah, but that they, they said that he opened with this piece that was worth over $3.5 million, oh this piece my. that he played. And two days before, yes, he was uh, playing, and uh, the the seat price was a hundred dollars for that. So oh, was, wasn't wasn't that number that was a thirty million or three million? I mean, three point five million. Three point five million. Yeah, I think that's a violin. What I think that's, that was a violin, wasn't it? That was worth three point five million. So he played one of the most intricate intricate pieces ever written with a violin worth oh, yeah. over. Yeah. Oh, oh, violin was worth. So the violin. Yeah. See, right. I remember that's the story. Right. So the 
Well, Violin right. is playing on the street of uh-huh. yeah. New York, was it, right? Subway, right? Three million subway. Subway. Metro, yeah. Is a three and a half million dollar violin. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. So Jeez. I guess uh, street playing isn't, doesn't pay real well. He <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no. got 32 bucks in 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But, but so he, you know, kicked us off, uh, you know, just kind of with that story to say, you know, we, you know, obviously the, the people when, when Jesus was living on the earth here kind of missed the boat. They missed that, that you know, beauty of who he was and mm. everything. And so do you, uh, just a question, do you guys think that we would even recognize Jesus uh, living here today if he was walking on the streets? Well, I think about that a lot because we look at, when we when you read scripture, our reaction typically is how could they miss it? Like, what? Are they, how are they missing this? Mm-hmm. But it's like, I think we'd have the same reaction and we probably would miss G if he came down in, in human form, who's to say we wouldn't have the same reaction as the people in the old Testament or, or I'm sorry, in the, in the, in the gospels. Um, yeah, I don't know because he would be, he would come down as a servant leader. We almost, I, th- I think we still have this picture of Jesus as king, as ruler, as, as authority, which he is, but he would come down as a servant. Like that's what Jesus's heart is, is to serve people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We might miss it still. I would say it's it's kind of a challenge, and this, uh, to be honest, has challenged me very hard when he's talked about this this morning, about recognizing him. And you often hear that the more often you're in the Word, that there's, there's a lot of purposes for being in the Word regularly, no matter how long you've known the Lord, no matter what age you are. Um, because no matter how many times you read the Scripture, it's constantly teaching you, and you learn more and more about yeah. the image of God, about mm. what you're supposed to do to follow Him. And so I think it's almost like a trick question in a way, because I think that um, those who truly know what to look for, which I don't know what that answer is, I'll be honest with you guys, it, it, it is a tough question, but those who kind of know what to look for and know his characteristics may recognize him, but not nearly as many people uh, as we think would, because I think a lot of people would have the misperception of, oh, sure, I know, I've, I've read the Bible once in my life, and I, I, I go to church sometimes on Sundays, and so, I, of course, I would recognize him, but it is a challenge because it's not just the you know, get out of jail free card whenever you need something kind of Jesus who would come down. It would be the full-fledged, like you said, servant leader, I believe, Jesus. You would have to recognize this characteristic, which is in the Word. You just have to begin mm, it regularly to be able to recognize that. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've thought about this when I read the New Testament and hear the, uh, the dialogue between Jesus and the Pharisees, mm-hmm. and the Pharisees are the bad guys and Jesus is the good guy. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, if I was born a Pharisee, if I was born into that, into that club, uh, would I be like Nicodemus sure. who stole away at night just to ask him some questions, or would I toe the toe the party line? Right. I think I toe the party line yeah. because this is what I was taught. He's one of a, uh, he's another one of the dozens of messiahs that have come sure, in and have been claiming messiahship over the past hundred years. And I'm I'm going to listen to what my mom and dad taught me, what my grandparents did. So I'm I I I understand that the Pharisees are the bad guy in this whole thing because they should have recognized them. Except that I I think that's Definitely me. Have some empathy I for think them. they're I think I'm them. Yeah. And except for the grace of God that I that uh, I can read the New Testament, and I've had the exposure. Yeah. I'm. 
as blind as they are. All right. So, you know, another example of kind of not recognizing somebody in like, uh, you know, when they're in a different environment is I'm Britt, I'm sure you're familiar with uncle drew, the basketball player. And so how Kyrie Irving, um, who is a professional basketball player goes to like these, you know, pick up uh, basketball court games and dresses up like this old guy. And then, you know, so nobody recognizes at first, but as soon as he starts playing, and he starts, you know, dunking on his people. <laughs> then they're like, people. okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, and we'd, we'd think that, you know, maybe that would be how, how Jesus would be. Like, at first, we'd be like, I don't know. But once he starts talking, once he starts performing miracles. Once he starts dunking on people. Yeah, once he starts dunking on, <laughs> on the Pharisees and everything, that we would recognize it um, and everything. But, you know, how, how much the environment plays a role, you know. I'm sure that, you know, with the Pharisees, you know, somebody coming from, from Nazareth, you know, they just— Threw them out altogether, oh, yeah. and so, um, True. you know, and so True. that our perception has a lot to do with, you know, the timing, the environment, all this stuff, and so, um, yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. We, we probably would miss it or have the capability of like kind of not wanting to recognize it almost, and so, um, because it would change our the whole trajectory of our, of our lives. Yeah, and you're mentioning it like every single thing pointed like, the, like made no sense to the Pharisees where he was from and they we know they they kind of took genealogy pretty seriously so everything down to genealogy to where he's from to how he's acting like he he's even doing things that are to them and from their perspective a little bit outside of the law that they've been raised to protect and to know and to to live and so they're like it like it just doesn't calculate doesn't add up to them and so to them he was <laughs> He was bad news for the gospel. He was yeah. bad news for the church and, and for, for their religious, um, their laws and, and, and whatnot. So, and plus, yeah. it's interesting to thinking about it more to your point of would we recognize them or not is back then, like you mentioned the show The Chosen, and uh, my kids love it. I love watching it with them because it's one thing to try to explain as a parent to a kid, but then for them to see it on screen, it's a lot easier to process. And I love how not only throughout the word, but that show you really see it in the reactions of the Pharisees of they had a preconceived notion of when the Messiah comes, you know, he's going to come and conquer Rome. It's going to be this mighty king on a throne. You picture from a regal family looking a certain way, talking a certain way, doing exactly what they expect. And going off of what Pastor Tom said, um, even today, the more I'm thinking about it, I changed my answer. Not just because you said it, Pastor Tom, (laughs) but... um, but it's even interesting today. Um, we we live in such a me culture of you know this. I'm going to do everything how I want to in my own certain way. I think sometimes the church of today, just in general, we have this preconceived notion of whenever Jesus comes back, it's going to be like this, and He's going to come like this, True. And, and all of that. So it's really interesting. The more you kind of think about that and dwell on it, um, the Pharisees did the same thing. He's Jesus. Whenever the Messiah comes back, it's going to be this way. This is what we expect. And then, like you said, Brett, oh no, you're, you're this from this place. No, that, that that's like that's like so offensive. To Wrong. Even, to even process <laughs> Next. that. You know, <laughs> you know um, uh, they were supposed to recognize him because they read the Old Testament, mm. but they missed him because they missed Isaiah 53 and all the other different passages that we could have read. But uh, uh, Pastor Freddie read this out of, I think it's 2 Timothy. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized in the, into Moses in the cloud and the sea. He's talking about the crossing Red Sea. And all ate the same spiritual food, talking the wilderness, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank, remember when, remember when Moses hit the rock and the water poured out? For they drank from the, from the spiritual rock that followed them 
oh, no rock followed yeah, them. Right. <laughs> and that rock was Christ. And so what Peter is saying is that that the whole wilderness wandering was a it was a was a precursor of Christ, showing what he would do, and that Christ was involved in that whole in that whole process. We always think it was you know God the Father that that did everything, and then all of a sudden Jesus showed up on on uh, day one of zero. And he's he, and it starts it, it starts the the wall rolling and he, then you're gonna kind of God steps aside mm, and God the Father steps aside right. and Jesus appears and he's got 33 years then he steps aside the Holy Spirit comes mm. and so we got the Holy Spirit right now but God's God the Father's kind of just sitting up in heaven doing his thing Jesus is sitting beside him praying for us whenever we get in trouble but it's really the Holy Spirit's work now. And I think that's what Peter, what um, Peter's getting at. As Pastor Freddie's talking about, we have to have what do you call it? Christological, Christological lenses. Christological. I thought that was a great line. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Christological lenses. So I, I wonder, if, wonder if we read the Bible, the Old Testament, with Christological lenses. Sure. How, how much we would see Jesus when we see read angel? Maybe it's a rep, maybe it's Christ really. Mm. Now, how do you know that? I'll tell you next week. <laughs> Ooh, right. a little cliffhanger. But we're, we're all kind of hitting it too, and it's a, there's a there's this concept of we all read the the word and have our own understanding almost of who Christ is and what to expect and what he's going to do and what he's about, and so we have to remember that to put on those Christological lenses to get it right. We we don't want to we don't want to have all these different understandings of who Jesus is. We have to put those Christological lenses on so we can make sure we're getting who he is right. We don't want to have all these yeah. I just think that's really, I love that line, that that idea of these these this filter that we have to read the word through in order to understand properly, and that filter is Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. It's it's those Christological lenses, so cool. Yeah, and where so, do I get me a pair? I got to get Amazon Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where do you buy those? There you go. Um, yeah, so he he talked a little bit about uh, the the Word of God. So in in John one one, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. And so just just those, you know, lines right there. I mean, that's a lot to wrap your head around. And it's a lot to, you know, think about like the eternal story, you know, in the beginning, you know, starting off just like, you know, Genesis does. And so when we when we look at that and how how can we kind of wrap our head around that the 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 word is God, the word was with God, what's a, what's a good way that we can kind of wrap our head around those those verses just in general? I'm looking at my pastor. <laughs> That's actually a tough well, one. The, the word the word there is logos. Uh, mm-hmm. We're pretty familiar with the word logos, and and Freddie made it clear that that was not an uncommon word. It was a common word in the day, and he he quoted uh, like Philo, who said that logos was and Philo was a Jewish philosopher. He, that that logos was. Uh, the divine reason why the physical realm was created out of the invisible. So he had this uh, idea. He he is echoing uh, Genesis one, where where we see the creation, that where we see you know God t- basically talking to himself. Would you say he's using the word us as a plural? Freddie right. brought that up. But what Freddie also told me in private, this is a private conversation, that that uh, Ph- uh, Philo while he's trying to get the Greek thought and the Jewish thought married, 
John is the only one that's, that uses logos mm. as God. Philo talked about the the creative aspect, but Philo was, uh, but John was the only one that used that word logos, and 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 said this is God. Yeah, and um, so yeah, when when we think of like the logos, I mean, that, it still is like a hard kind of concept concept for me to grasp, I guess. And so I guess just that bringing the the order to the chaos, or the you know bringing um, the word to, to life and everything. And so that, that's something that he, he kicked it off with. And then he went into, you know, when we're looking at this, you know, story of Jesus, when we're looking over like the course of like the old Testament, all that, how, how do we, you know, we talked about the Christological lenses. How, what does that look like? What does it look like to, to wear those? How, how can we make sure that we're looking through those Christological lenses as we're reading the Bible or even in our, you know, modern world today. Does anything come to mind? I, when I'm reading scripture, I, I always try to, when I come up with an understanding, right, I've come to a place of understanding. I, to me, I always try to compare it next to Jesus's life. So I'll go to the gospels and look at Jesus's life. And does this, does this fit? Is this something Jesus would live out? Is this something Jesus would walk out? And even then it's still trying to use that understanding that we have of Jesus to, be, to come to an understanding, but I always try to, when I'm making decisions, when I'm reading the word, when I'm understanding concepts, when I'm faced with things in life that I'm, that I'm unsure how to operate in, I always just compare it to Jesus's life in the gospels. How classic, yeah, what would what, Jesus but what do? what about right? the Old Testament? I mean, he's, he's talking about knowing Christ, not, not in the New Testament, sure. but seeing Christ in the Old yeah. Testament. Yeah. So how do you, that, that really is where, I mean, you you know, no offense, but it's pretty easy to see Jesus in the New Testament. Sure, he's, he's all there, over the place. <laughs> but as if he's in the Old Testament, right. that's I think the, where the question is. Sure. What? Uh, so how to pull Jesus out what, of the old? How to see him? See him in the, see him right, in right, the Old right, Testament. Right, right. And where do you see him in the Old Testament? And what difference does that make? Sure. I mean, really, what? Who cares? Yeah. I mean, we should care, but we should care for a reason. Why do we care? Just so we have the piece of knowledge. I would say one way. This is this is me thinking out loud on the spot, so bear with me. Um, <laughs> but I would think one about. way of trying to use those lenses after hearing like your metaphor of the rock and the water and how Jesus was stabbed in the side and he's referenced himself as a living water. Um, I think a good way as you're going through the Old Testament is Jesus in the New Testament used parables all the time when he was talking to people. It was a very common way that he expressed a story that could have multiple meanings other than a core meaning. Um, so I think if you go back to the Old Testament and as you're reading actual history, uh, what the Jews read, what the Pharisees read, and then you start looking for those potential parables in the actual stories that you maybe looked for uh, in the past. Like you said, maybe you took a story literally, this is simply what happened, parted the waters, this, that, and the other. But when you actually start applying is it possible that, you know, because we know Jesus was there since the beginning, is it possible that some of these stories um, aren't just, aren't only historical facts, but they're parables and they're actually references of um, how Jesus will apply to our life today. And it was even there in the Old Testament. I definitely want to go through the Old Testament now and look for those, look at stories that I took very literal and see if it's p possible that there's like parables in there and that it was actually p possibly a reference to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, not just uh, God the Father and not just events that were happening to the people that God chose. So I, I'm looking forward to doing that. Yeah, I, th I think that, yeah, to truly understand who Jesus is, you have to understand, you know, from the beginning of, of time. You have to understand, you know, from the beginning of everything, the beginning of the universe, because if you're just looking at who Jesus is in that snapshot of, you know, on earth, like you're missing 
an entire picture, uh, you know, a whole, a whole storyline, a whole reasoning behind, you know, what he's doing here, a, a whole, you know, genealogy like we, we talked about before. And so, um, yeah, it's just taking, you know, a bigger picture of, of who he is. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, and, but with that, you know, it, when we, when we think about, you know, how just the story of Jesus and, um, how that can become just like this mythological character. Um, we talked about, he, he got into, you know, how, you know, Santa Claus, you know, how we can all recognize that character and, um, how that, um, when we, when we look at Jesus, sometimes he can kind of shift into that mythological character. How do we keep him as this, you know, living truth, uh, rather than kind of floating into that mythological character? Well, I've got two things. The first thing I'll say is as I was going to pick up my kids between services, I was listening to Pastor Freddie first service, and I had picked up my kids. We were coming back right when he started talking about Santa Claus, and he was dropping the points of, you know, for you kids who still believe, my daughter's 12, and I think I have one more year of her still believing in Santa. Uh So I had to really quickly turn it down. I didn't know what he was going to say. I'm like, no, no, give me one more year. Um, But after I I was so close, I'm like, no, Pastor Freddie. Uh, And she looked at me with a face like, what's he talking about? I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. Um, But I looked up the definition because it's always interesting to, we hear a word a lot, but to actually just look up like the Webster's you know, definition. And when I looked up mythological, it was lacking factual basis or historical validity is what mythological is supposed to mean. And when you make that reference to Jesus Christ, it's interesting because it's not always easy to see the first time you read through the word. It's not always easy to see when you're a new believer and you're still learning the principles and the foundations. Um, But when you go back and look at the Old Testament, um, like we've been talking about, I believe there's a lot of historical facts in there. We just often don't see it. Sometimes we choose not to see it, or we just simply are still new in our walk or renewing that subject of the word that we're still kind of learning those principles. Um, So I think a key there of differentiating them is making sure that you're going off of historical fact. Um, I'm not dismissing faith or that some things are simply known by faith or through the Holy Spirit. That's always important and relevant. But when we're going through the Old Testament, there's a lot of history there. I think we just don't always see it or make that connection that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was actually there throughout all of that, even if Mm. he wasn't directly referenced in the Word. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) I was still like thinking about what he said. Um, To not allow him to become a mythological idea. uh, I don't know. For me, it just, I continue to focus and give attention and give thanks and give gratefulness and um, on everything he's doing now. And, And I think when, when, you put the attention on it. There's a saying right now that where we talk about if someone give someone their flowers, right? That you say give them their flowers before they're gone. Give them their that I means just give them their compliments, give them their their credit before they pass away. It's kind of something that's going on right now because there's a lot of celebrities, a lot of different people passing away, and just give them their their thanks while they're here. And I kind of like think of it that way in the moments when I'm seeing his hand in my life, when I'm seeing him change my life, when I'm seeing him do things in my life. I give him his flowers right then, just put attention on it, give them gratefulness, give them thanks. And it, it, it takes you out of that even realm of being able to say, or, or think of them as like this mythical, mythical being or mythical, whatever, because it's right now, it's happening right now. It's not happening in the past. It's not this, this, uh, this story. It's happening for me right now, right here and now. So I, I just make sure to give that attention when the attention is due, give the gratitude, give the thanks, give the praise, give the, 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 the praise to him. So 
Um, it just kind of keeps my mind in a now mindset of, of, oh, this isn't just something that we're reading in the Bible or that's happened in the past or we're hearing stories of. It's happening right now. It's, it's the living, breathing Word of God. It's, it's, it's constantly changing my life. So You know, when, when we read the Old Testament and we read with a, through those uh, lenses, Christological lenses, I think what happens is we start to see Christ for who he is and how he was present in every situation through the Old Testament. So he didn't just appear on on that December twenty fifth, zero AD, <laughs> but he he's been he was he was evident all the way through it, and um, I think Freddie was trying to challenge us to rethink Christmas with those lenses and see Christ in every aspect of the Old Testament sure. and every aspect of our own life, so that. Uh, we reconsider who Christ is to us. And so, I don't know, maybe this Christmas uh, we need to reread some of the Old Testament uh, and look for places where maybe we didn't give see Christ before and, see, and then ask ourselves the question, so what? Now what do I do with this information? Because mm. I think it's more than information. It needs to be a life-changing encounter with Christ in a different way. Sure. Amen. I think that's a great place to wrap up. And so um, we will continue in the start of the series. Uh, yeah, me next week. Woo! Yeah, me next there week. We go. We're right. going to talk, talk about a scripture that is uh, found in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I mm. came to fulfill the law. Right. And so we're going to talk about that by going back in the Old Testament, seeing how Jesus did fulfill the law. Mm. Oh, that's a good tease. Stay I tuned. Like a good teaser. That's All good. Right. We'll see you next week. See Have y'all. a good Love one. Love you. Bye. Bye.